I read this. I thought, I thought this was funny. I want to read this to you. It's a man, he was hired to take a census in the hills of Tennessee, uh, and he came to this cabin in the woods. He knocked on the door, and he was greeted by a little girl. And he asked, is, is your mom home? No, she, she ran off with the moonshiner. Well, is your father home? No, he, he pokes his head in once a month to take a bath. Do you have an older sister? Yeah. Is she home? No. She's in jail for shooting the sheriff. Do you have a brother? Yeah. Was your older brother home? No, he's at Harvard. What's he studying at Harvard? He's not studying it. They're studying him. Uh, (laughs) I I thought that was funny. The sad thing is it's funny because this is not supposed to be normal, but yet we live in a world now this is becoming increasingly normal, isn't it? I'm reading this and thinking this is every day. And... um, not just in the hills of Tennessee, but maybe in the hills of Indiana and the, you know, all throughout our land here. I read this and think, there's something wrong. There's, do, we, do we see there's something wrong here? Do we see our world and do we see there's something wrong here? Um, we're, we're in 1 Peter. We started studying 1 Peter last week. I want to do a little review of what we talked about last week since a lot of you guys were out at you know, Tennessee Convention and, and the mission trip. Welcome home, everybody. Uh, but let me tell you a little bit what we talked about last week. 1 Peter, <clears throat> in verse 1, it says, To God's elect. This is who Peter's writing to. To God's elect. God's chosen people. Um, would that be you? If you belong to Jesus Christ, Peter is writing to you here. And it goes on, strangers in this world, strangers in this world. Do you feel like a stranger? We talked about this last week. Uh, another, it, it, exiles in this world, aliens in this world, sojourners in this world. That's what God's elect are in this world. And, and, and you think about this, we're not immigrants. You think about what an immigrant is. An immigrant is somebody who's, who's seeking permanent residence in a, in a foreign land. That's not what we're doing here. Um, we're not tourists. Not walking around taking pictures of everything. Tourists are people who don't really get involved in the culture. That's not who we are here. We're exiles, but we're not immigrants. We're exiles, but we're not tourists. We're exiles. The Bible says we're ambassadors. We're here. We're on a mission. I want to read something in Jeremiah 29 to you. The exiles in Babylon... This would be Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. When, they were, when the Israelites were taken to Babylon, this is what Jeremiah says. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you in exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Pray, pray to the Lord for the city that you've been carried into exile into. Pray, pray for, to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of, of Israel, says. He goes on and says, Do not let the prophets and diviners among, among you deceive you. All, the, these, all these things, don't, don't let this happen, don't let this happen, don't let this happen. But he's telling you as, you, as you're living in exile in Babylon, this is what he's telling them, he says, Build houses, 
plant gardens, get married, have a family, increase, do not decrease. He says, be a blessing. Where, where I have put you, I want you to be a blessing. I want you to pray for these people. Because if they prosper, you too will prosper. But don't conform. Don't be like them. And I think this was true of, of, of God's people, the, Isra- the, the Hebrew people, when they were in Egypt, in slavery. Increase, do not decrease, but don't conform. Don't become an Egyptian. And, and, and when they're in Babylon, he, he's telling them, this is, this is how I want you to live. But don't conform. Don't, be, don't become like the Babylonians. And, and, and to the Jews who were you know, under oppression, uh, you know, the Roman government, don't become like the Romans. So doesn't it apply to you and I today? We, we are in exile, and we are to be a blessing to the people that we live among. But don't, conform, don't, become, like, don't, don't become like the world. I think it's such a big, important thing that you and I need to understand as Christians. We are in exile but we're not supposed to conform. Uh, we're on a mission. We're ambassadors. It goes on. I'm still doing review here. Uh, uh, verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We talked a lot about this last week, this living hope that we have. And this living hope happens because Christ rose from the dead. That's why you and I have hope, a living hope, a certain hope. We don't hope like the world hopes. And it says in verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. We talked a lot about suffering and, and trials last week. But these happen to prove our faith genuine. These happen so we will receive praise from God. Someday we, we, we make it through the trials and he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. These happen, what it says in verse 9, To achieve the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls. And then we go on, new area here, I don't have this up here, but verse 10 through 12 talks about how the prophets predicted this, the apostles proclaimed this, the angels were amazed by all of this. And, and my question is, what about, what about us? How do we respond? The, these, the suffering and the trials that we're, we're going through that, that, that are there to, to increase our faith, to prove our faith, how do we respond to all this? In the text today, this is new, 1 Peter 1, chapter, uh, verse 13, it says, Therefore, therefore, because of everything I just talked about, therefore, because of that, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when, when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Verse 17 says, since you, you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here, as exiles. But do it in reverent fear. Now, in, in this passage here, there's just I, I see five imperatives, five commands that, that I see God is giving us here. As God's elect, as, as people who are living in exiles, we are to prepare our minds we are to control our flesh. We are to live in hope. We are to not conform. And we are to be holy. And that, that's a big portion of what I want to talk about today. Be, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. 
For it is written, be holy because I am holy. That's what, that's what God says here. And, and I want you to consider God's holiness for a second. Just, just think about who he is. He says, be holy because I am holy. And we serve a holy God. What does that mean to you? What does that look like to you? What does that imply? That God is holy. And the word holy in the Greek is hagios. Did I say that right? Hagios, do I have that? I, I thought I had it. It, it, it might come up. Um, so hagios is the Greek for holy. And, and from that word, we get the word saint. We get the word sanctified. We get the word consecrate. It all comes back to the same word hagios, holy. So how is God holy? God is holy because uh, it, it means he's separate. He's unique. He's one of a kind. Um, you, think, you think about... You think about um, um, you think about Pharaoh, who thought he was God. This is in Egypt. Pharaoh thought he was God. And the whole reason God sent ten plagues was to show Pharaoh, Pharaoh, you're nothing. You got nothing, Pharaoh. Pharaoh, you need to bend your knee to God Almighty, the one true God. And in one of the plagues in Exodus 8, verse 10, these happen that you may know there is no one like the Lord our God. There is no one like the Lord our God. He is completely one of a kind. He is unique. He is separate from all, all, everything else. When Hannah became pregnant with Samuel, she, she, she cried out in song, There is no one holy like the Lord. You see in the Ten Commandments where, where God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. No other gods. He's one of a kind. He's unique. He's separate. Do we understand that? Hagias means pure. There, there's nothing impure in him. Hagias means perfect. God is perfect. God's ways are perfect. His law is perfect. His justice is perfect. His love is perfect. Everything, everything about God is perfect. Hagias. Hagias means totally free of evil. It says in 1 John 1 verse 5, God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. No darkness in God. There is nothing evil in God. And God is our standard for holiness. When, when we think about what holiness is, we look to God. And we understand we are to be like God. We are to be imitated. We are created in his image. We are to, re to reflect God. Are we doing that? Are Christians in our world today reflecting God? Now, worry there's not much holiness going on in the church today. There's a lot of other things going on, but holiness seems to be taking a, 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 you know, it, we put that in the back someplace. We are called to be holy. It says in Isaiah 6, uh, the, the, um, what does it say? Above him were, were seraphs. This, this is uh, Isaiah talking here. And each with six wings. With two wings, they, they covered their faces, and two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy. They were seeing, you see it in, in Revelation chapter 4. Holy, holy, holy. You notice what they don't, they don't, because you, you ask our world today, what's, what's the attribute of God that, that you cherish the most? What, 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 how do you think about God? You know, God is a loving God. Well, they're not saying loving, loving, loving. They're not saying just, just, just. They're saying holy, holy, holy. And they're amplifying it. They're magnifying it. They want the world to know God is a holy God. And, and, and something else I noticed here, in his holiness, 
he had every right to destroy us because we're not holy. And yet that's not what he did. Our holy God sent his son to this earth to redeem us and to rescue us and to heal us and to cleanse us and to make us holy. He could have destroyed us, but he didn't. He came to help us become holy people. And I just think there should be a response to that. How do, we, how do you and I respond to a holy God that loves you so much that he would send his son for you so you would be holy like he's holy? How do you respond to that? And my hope is that you and I would become holy. And that's what Peter is calling us to do. Be holy in all you do. So let's talk about our holiness. What's it mean for you to be holy? And let me start with something. I preached on this a few months ago, that you are called saint. You see this in Romans, Romans 1 verse 7, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. In Ephesians 1 verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to all the saints in Ephesus. In Philippians, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. In Colossians, it says, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ in, in, in Colossae, however you say it. Uh, I should know that by now, you know. Um, but all the saints, saints, th- that word saint is hagios. You are, you are called saint. You are hagios. That's what you are. If you are in Christ, your identity determines your destiny. And you are a saint. You are a child of God. You are loved by God. You are forgiven. You are holy, made holy by the blood of Jesus. And it's important for us to know who we are so that we know what to do. The Bible refers to to Christians 96 times as saints, the word hagios. Um, We are sinners. We're, we're sinners. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And I try to emphasize this a lot. I try to keep us humble. We're sinners. Um, but, but this is fascinating to me. The Bible refers to followers of Jesus as sinners only three times. Followers of, of Jesus are called sinners only three times. And those three times are debatable. Um, for the most part, the Bible refers to God's people as righteous, as holy, as saints over 200 times. We are sinners. Yeah, that's what we do. But we are saints. That's who we are. And, and I think if, if you have that mentality, that should empower us to do what we should do and to stop doing the things that we should stop doing and to stop saying the things that we should stop saying. When we understand we're, we're holy people, we should not be like the world. There should be a difference between God's people and people who are not God's people, people who have rejected God, people who are living in rebellion to God. There should be a difference. Is there a difference? We are saints, and we are called to be separate. We are called to be separate. The, God's instructions to the Israelites. And this is in Leviticus 18. It says, you must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live. And you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I'm bringing you. Do not follow their practices. That's what he told the Israelites. As he's taking them out of bondage, as he's taking them to the promised land, don't be like the world. Has anything changed between, I mean, things have changed, no doubt. But I think the message is still true for you and I. 
Don't be like the world that I took you out of, and don't be like, like the Canaanites, it, it, what Paul told the, the, in the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, he says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what does righteousness have, and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? There should be a distinction. There should be a, a separation. It, it goes on in uh, verse 17. Therefore, come out from, from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. We are called to live in this world, but we're called also not to become like this world. Do we, do we know that? Do we understand that? Are we doing that? I like how it says in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, we're going to get there probably next week, but this is in the King James Version. It says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, pe- a peculiar people. That's what it says in, in King James. You are a peculiar people. Do you feel peculiar? peculiar? Uh, do you feel strange in this world? We, we are saints. We are to be separate. We are to be holy. Now, I want you to see a couple of verses here. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Hagias. Be saints. Be holy. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7 says, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Is that happening? Is this happening? Are you still, are you, are you calling yourself a Christian, but you're still living an impure, intentionally, deliberately, no intention, no, no desire to change. You're still living an impure life. That's got to change, Christians. That's got to change. We've got to stop living like the world. Uh, we, we are to be, uh, 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 I want to go back, uh, to be separate. We need to separate ourselves from our sinful thinking. We need to separate ourselves from our sinful inclinations. We need to separate ourselves from the world, not, not by physical removal, but, but by recognizing the evil inclinations in this world and by refusing to participate in the sins of this world. That we, that's what we need to separate ourselves from. We must, separate, uh, we must be separate by recognizing and removing ourselves from the sins of our childhood. What do you think about that? Because here, Here's the thing. I think we grow up with this like default setting. You know, this is, this is how I learned it. This is, this is what I saw. So it's just naturally that I, I act like the people that I grew up with. And, you know, like, and, and, and I saw it myself. I, like I saw a temper in me that I'm thinking, that is not of God. That had to change. Uh, words coming out of my, out of my mouth, that, that's not of a, that Christian shouldn't be saying these things. That had to change. Um, so, so a lot of things about your childhood, you've got you to recognize that, that that's not of God. That's not of God. These things in me need to change. My default setting has to, and that, that, you got to be intentional about that. Because it's hard work to change your default setting. You know what I'm saying? We need to separate ourselves from that. We need to be holy. I want you to see, I don't have this in the outline, but God's part, um, the Father planned for us to be holy. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says, He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. That, that's God's will for you to be holy. And Jesus died to make us holy. I want you to see this. Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Why did Christ die for you? Yes, it's to save you. Praise God, we're saved. We have salvation. But that's not the whole story. It's also to make you holy. He died to make you holy. That's his, that's his intent. That's his desire. So God, 
God the Father planned for us to be holy from the creation of the world. Jesus died to make you holy. You've been given the Holy Spirit that works inside of you to make you holy. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11, you were washed, you were sanctified, hagias, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the and, and by the Spirit of our God. You were given the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, to lead you, guide you, help you to be holy. So it's God the Father's will. It's why, why Jesus died for you. It's why you've been given the Holy Spirit. But you have a part to play in this. Be, because if all that happened and you're still walking through this world with no ambition, no desire, no intent whatsoever to try to be the holy person that God wants you to be, then you're probably not going to be holy. You're probably going to just keep on acting just like the rest of the world. Our part, I want you to see in 1 John verse 3, uh, chapter 3 verse 3 says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure, just as God is pure. You purify yourself. You, you listen to the Holy Spirit. You're, you're led by the Holy Spirit. And you intentionally try to become the person that God has called you to be. Be holy. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 says, Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. If you have any reverence for God, then this should be your desire to purify yourself so you can walk with God, so you can hear from God, so you can be the person that God is calling you to be. You have a part to play in this. It says in James 4, verse 8, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Purify your heart. Be intentional. Be deliberate. 1 Peter 1, verse 15, goes back to, Just as, as he who called you is holy, so you be holy. This is, this is Peter's cry for us today. This is his whole message. This is so much what the whole book is about. Calling God's people, the elect, Come on, people, let's be holy like God has called us to be holy, like he is holy. Why Jesus died to make us holy. Let's do it. Let's do it. We got to do that if we're going to make any, a difference in this world. So we do this so we can have fellowship with God. How important is holiness to have fellowship with God? I look at Psalm 15. Lord, who can dwell in your tent? Who can live in your holy mountain? The one who lives honestly and practices righteousness and acknowledges truth in his heart. That, that's the person who can dwell with, with God. That's the person who can live with God. The, the person who is holy. He goes on and says, who, who does not slander with his tongue? Who does not harm his friend or discredit his neighbor? Who despises the one who rejected, who's rejected by the Lord? But honors those who, who fear the Lord and keeps his word, whatever the cost. Who, who does not lend his money at interest or take bribe against the innocent? The one, who does not, the one who does these things will never be moved. That's Psalm 15. If you want to walk with God, then you need to be holy. Um, so, 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 so we strive to be holy so we can have fellowship with God. We, we strive to be holy for our well-being. Um, for our well-being while we're here in this, on this world. Because God, God made us. God knows how to protect us. And, and God knows what's best for us. So we, we live according to his standards, not the world's standards, for, so that we can experience the, the abundant life that Christ wants to give us now and, and for our well-being for eternity. We're, we're going to live in heaven forever, and we need to be holy because no impure thing can enter heaven. Um, and, and we do this for, 
our effectiveness in this world. We do it so we can have fellowship with God and for our well-being here on this earth and for our effectiveness here on this earth. As we're living in exile, on mission, as ambassadors, we are supposed to let our light shine, and our light's not going to shine so bright. In Matthew 5, it says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? If the salt, if you become just like the world, then there's not going to be a difference, and the world's not going to see a difference. If you become just like the world, your light is not going to shine. We cannot be like the world. We are called to be different. Uh, let me, the, the whole verse where, where it says, where it says uh, um, be holy as, I, as the Lord is holy, where does that come from? It comes from the Old Testament. Anybody know where it comes from in the Old Testament? Do I have this? I don't, I don't think I have. I didn't put this in the outline, I don't think. Um, where, where does that verse come from? Be holy for I am holy, says the Lord. Where does that come from? What book in the Bible? Take a guess. Leviticus. Good guess. All right. I knew you'd get it. Um, so, yeah, Leviticus. In Leviticus, if you know anything about Leviticus, Leviticus has all kinds of weird laws in it, right? And I got, I got a couple of weird laws here for you. Um, do not let your hair become unkempt, and do not tear your clothes, or you will die, says the Lord, and the Lord will be angry with the whole community. If you let your hair become unkempt... Um, if you, if you tear your clothes, and it's fashionable today, everybody, wears, everybody buys clothes with rips in it. What is this? Uh, farming in, in, in Leviticus 19, verse 9, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleaning of your harvest. Okay, that's interesting. In, in Leviticus 19, verse 19, it says, keep my decrees. Do not mate different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. Do not wear clothing woven of, of two kinds of material. And there's no explanation. You just, this is what I want you to do. No explanation. Just like, no, this is, this is God's commands. Sideburns. Do not cut the hair of the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Tattoos. It says, do not cut your bodies for the, for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourself. I am the Lord. I'm calling you out, Brad. Okay? This is what the Bible says. Um, Elderly, rise, rise in the presence of the age. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. In Leviticus 20, verse 9, it says, If anyone curses his father or mother, he must be put to death. He, he has cursed his father or mother, and his blood will be on his own head. You know, and and there's, there's just all these, all these things in Leviticus and, and, and why? And, and people scratch their head like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Do you have to get it to be obedient? Does God have to explain himself for you to obey? When he told the people to march around Jericho seven times, like, that just, that doesn't make sense at all. Well, are you going to obey or not? The, and the Israelites obeyed. When, when he said cross the Jordan River at flood stage, did they, did they take a vote on it? Or did they do it? Do you have to understand the Lord's commands to do it? No. If God says do it, we do it because we are children of God and we need to be obedient to God. Don't understand all the things he says, but I don't think I need to understand all the things he says. Um, and, 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 and people quote Leviticus, like all these weird rules, maybe, maybe we sit, shouldn't see them as weird rules, weird prohibitions. Maybe we should see them as uh, ways to show respect. Like, like when, it, when it talks about uh, rise in the presence of the age, show respect for the elderly, revere and revere your God. When, when, you know, show respect for the elderly. Maybe the Egyptians weren't doing that. Maybe the Canaanites weren't doing that. Maybe this is a way you can be different from the world. You show respect for the elderly. 
Maybe this is a way you can be different from the world. You don't curse your parents out. Uh, if, if anyone curses his father or mother, uh, he must be put to death. No, you don't act like the Egyptians. You don't act like the Canaanites. You, you be respectful to your parents. And that will be different. That's how you be salt. That's how you be light. Show respect for your parents. Show respect for the elderly. Don't, don't let your hair be unkempt. Show respect for yourself. You know, have some respect for yourself. Have respect for the truth. Have respect for justice. All these, that would make you stand out in this world. You will be different than this, this, than this world if you do these things. And all these, this is, they call these ceremonial laws. This is not moral. Moral laws are the Ten Commandments. Uh, the Ten Commandments, everybody should not murder. Everybody should not steal. Everybody should not lie. Everybody should not commit adultery. But these ceremonial laws, these were God, for God's people, the Jews, the elect. This is how you're going to be different from the world. And the world's going to see that you're different. And the world's going to start asking questions. Why are you so different? Tell me about your God. I want to know about your God. We... I thought about this. We are children of God, and if God has asked us how to, if, if he says, okay, you are my child, you are royalty, because he's the king of kings, and we are his children, and that makes us prince and princesses, and he says, okay, I need you to wear this crown. Are you going to whine about that? Oh, I got to wear a crown. That's stupid. I don't get that. Are you, are you going to, that's a privilege, you get to wear the crown telling the world that you belong to God. I look at these Levitical, Levitical laws, and that's how I see it. This, this is a privilege to be distinct from the world. This is not prohibitions. This is not a bunch of rules. Bunch of, you know, oh, I have to do that. No, this is I, I get to do this. And, and the good news is we're not under the Levitical laws, okay? We're, um, we're under the new covenant. So there's a whole different group of laws. We are to love one another deeply. We are to forgive one another um, all these different things that we are called to do. We're not called to, to do what it, they, they told us to do in Leviticus, but we are called to do what, what it says in the, in the New Testament. And I hope that you see that as a privilege. It's a privilege. It's not a burden. Um, so how do we be holy? On the back page of your outline, and I'm already out of time. Oh, great. Um, prepare your mind. Let's start with it. It says in, in 1 Peter 1 verse 13, Therefore prepare your minds for action. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, and all of our mind. Are you doing that? We are to have the mind of Christ, is what the Bible says. We are not to conform to the patterns of this world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, is what it says in Romans 12. We are to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Are you doing that? In Philippians, it says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Your mind, is your mind dedicated to Christ? What goes through your mind? Take inventory of that real quick because I don't have much time. But is your mind holy? Are you being intentional about making your mind holy? You've got to start there. Be holy. Prepare your minds. Oh, I got so much I wanted to say about this. Uh, I can't. I'll get in trouble. Uh, we shouldn't conform to the world. We should conform to the character of God. Sin is the world in rebellion against God. Holiness is God's children in, in rebellion against the world. Live in rebellion to the world, not rebellion to God. Be holy in your mind. 
Prepare your minds. Flesh. Uh, Control your flesh. Number two, control your flesh. Be self-controlled is what it says. Other translations says be sober. Be sober. Um, You know, if somebody gets drunk, they have no control over what their body does. And and that's that's an excuse, and that's a lame excuse. Um, We are to control our flesh what our flesh does. In, in Romans 8 and Ephesians 1 and, and Colossians 3 gives us a great examples of what to do to, to take off the sinful nature and, and to put off the misdeeds of the body, the sexual, sexual, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, do not lie to each other. All these things are the flesh. And all that stuff needs to be, if we're going to be holy people, if we're going to be intentional about being holy people, we got to take all that stuff off. Don't, that shouldn't be descriptive of you. You are a Christian. You are to put on Christ. So control your flesh and live in hope. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given when, when Jesus Christ is revealed. This world is not our home. Praise God. We have a living hope. We talked about that at length last week. We have a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He, he, we, we don't fear death. We know that we're, we're going to go to heaven in the presence of God where there's no, no more dying, no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you. God's grace. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. And do not conform. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Do not become like the Egyptians. Do not become like the Canaanites. Do not become like the Babylonians. Do not become like the world. Be holy. Be set apart. Be different. Be holy. That's number five. Be holy. That's what it says in verse 15 and 16. Because we're born again. We've been made new. And we've been given a new identity. We are children of God now. And because we've been given new insight, we were once blind, but now we see. We once lived in ignorance, but now, now we live in the truth. And we have new desires. Our desire is to walk with God. And our desire is to abide in Christ. And all these things is what drives us to be holy. And we live in reverent fear. Reverent fear. It says in verse 17, since you, since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Be, because, because we know God is our judge and because our judge is our father. It says in verse 18, for you know that it was not with perishable things that, such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. We live in reverent fear because we were redeemed with precious blood. Not just blood, but precious blood. Our, 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 our Lord and Savior's blood is what redeemed us. So we live in holy, we live in holy fear. Unholy fear is, is people who run away from judgment. Holy fear is people who run away from sin. Unholy fear is people, they run away from the one who judges them. Holy fear runs to God. I, I think about the story of Rahab. Um, when, when the walls came tumbling down in Jericho, Rahab, the prostitute, she helped the Israelites out because she feared God. And everybody else feared, feared the Israelites and wanted to fight them. Rahab feared God and submitted to him and, be, and became an Israelite. 
Unholy fear ignores the precious ransom given to redeem us. Holy fear cherishes the precious ransom that was given for, for our lives. So we live in hope, we live in holiness, we live in reverent fear, and we obey the truth. One more thing I want you to see here, verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, that's how we purify ourselves, we, we obey the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Obey the truth, love one another deeply from the heart. Let me, let me close real quick. Um, I read this here about the, the Great Wall of China um, that was built to, to keep the invaders out. Um, they built it so great that it was so high they believed no one could climb over it, so thick no one could ever break it down. And during the first hundred years of the wall's existence, China was invaded three times. Not once did the, the, the barbarians break down the wall or climb over it. Each time they bribed the gatekeeper and marched right in through the gate. And one commentator made this observation. The Chinese were so busy relying on walls of stone that they forgot to teach integrity to their people. The walls aren't going to help you. The walls aren't going to protect you. And so that's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees built all these walls to, to separate themselves. Not, it's not about walls. It's about the heart. It's about, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your heart? Is the Holy Spirit residing inside of you? Are you committed to being holy? It says in, in Hebrews 12, verse 14, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And I want to ask you as we close, are you committed to being holy? Do you understand why God has called you to be holy? Do you understand that Jesus died to make you holy? So are you holy? Let me, let, me, let me go far before that. Are you one of the elect? Do you know how to become one of the elect? Do you want to become one of the elect? It happens by making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. By, by, by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. I want to ask you as, as we get ready to close here, God wants you to be one of the elect. He offers it to you. Do you want to be one of the elect? Do you want to be one of God's chosen people? Do you want to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ here on this earth? Will you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today? And if you have made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, will you Strive to be holy as he is holy.